0: Greetings. Uh, my name is Jim. I'm an elder here. I usually am not up here speaking to you like this. Uh, Stephen asked me to preach and after the sermon you can go and ask him why. Uh, I am excited to talk to you guys today about uh, you know, the sermon series that we're going through. Uh, enjoy money, power, sex. The last two weeks we've covered money and power, so this week we get to talk about food. (laughs) Uh, And there's fair warning, way back when the earth was young, and I was in college, I was a philosophy major, and as a philosophy major I find it very difficult to talk about anything without first talking about everything. So we've got a lot of ground to cover this morning, I've... uh, I'm going to try to set a brisk pace, and I've edited out all my jokes. Uh, so you, if you find yourself laughing, you're probably being inappropriate. All right? so, fair warning. This morning we're going to talk about three things, and it's in your bulletin if you'd like to take notes and doodle. Uh, we're going to talk about creation and our place in it before Christ. We're going to talk about creation and our place in it in the year of our Lord. And we're going to talk about food. And uh, those splits are, in my mind, it's like before Christ, B.C., A.D., in the year of our Lord, you know, so, uh, so we're going to start talking about really big things. Why are we here? Why is there anything here? And I think the Bible tells us pretty clearly that God doesn't need anything, and in himself he has everything. He, even within the Trinity, has community, so he doesn't need anything. And yet we have all this stuff. We have angels. We have uh, you know, the universe, other planets. We have single-celled organisms. Why is all that stuff there? And the Bible tells us that it's there because God is good. And he likes to share his goodness. And he creates other beings to share his goodness. And he also displays his goodness and his greatness in all of these wonderful things which he's created. And the Psalms, uh, it's all over the Psalms, this idea... For instance, everybody knows the one. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and uh, in Psalms 89:5, the psalmist says, "O Lord, the heavens praise your amazing deeds, as well as your faithfulness in the angelic assembly." And here we see that the angels are looking at creation, and they're learning something about God, and that's uh, kind of a cool thing, especially when you consider that mankind is part of that creation. And so we have part of that responsibility of displaying God. And it's not just that God displays himself in it. He's also delighted in it. In Genesis 1 where he talks about the six days of creation and every day he says it's good. But it's more than just good. In Job 38, God starts talking to Job about his creation. And he wants to make a point to Job and uh, the point is, is that God's mighty and Job's not mighty but he starts by saying to him Job 38, I think it's in the bulletin he says where were you when I laid the earth's foundation tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions surely you know who stretched a measuring line across it on what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy that last verse is uh, God... His, it's like his mind's eye is being cast back to that moment. And his mind is sort of captured. And he remembers what a joyous moment it was. Not just for himself, but the angels had to shout for joy. And the stars themselves sung in the heavens. And uh, for me, you know, there are times when I remember something in my life that was extremely meaningful. And when I think about it, my mind is cast back... And my imagination is, is captured. And I can remember uh, 130 years ago when I got married. Some, someone was asking me about this the other day. And they asked me if they were getting married. They said, What was your wedding like? What was the reception like? What was this like? And all of a sudden, I remembered that moment when I was standing in front of the church. And it was almost like an out of the body experience, almost like what I'm experiencing now. Uh-huh. And, and I was overwhelmed with the sense that this is a big deal. And I looked out at the people, and there were people in there that I loved. And I was sharing this moment with them. And then they, the music came up. Uh, and I can't look at this side of the, of the house. When I tell this, I looked down the aisle, and there was my wife. And she was beautiful. She was flawless. Um, and I think back on that. When I do think about that, I'm all of a sudden transported back. And in Job 38, I like get the same sense that God is transported back to members of when he created the world and how much he loves it. And he doesn't stop there. Job 38 following, he goes on and asks Job a series of rapid-fire questions, but they're all about his creation. And in those questions, you see the delight and the care and the interest and the joy and excitement and the surprise that God feels about his creation. In the uh, next verses, he talks about uh, the sea, the clouds, dawn, the size of the earth. Where does the sun go at night? He talks about snow and hail and rain and lightning and deserts and grass and dew. He talks about the constellations. He talks about the mind of man and the way that works. He talks about lionesses and ravens and mountain goats. you know where the mountain goat goes to give young? He says... It's something. She's on the side of the mountain, and she does it standing up. He's he's amazed by these animals. He talks about an ostrich and how when it flaps its wings, it's so happy. And it's so dumb, too, because it leaves its eggs right on the ground. Uh, He's he's got delight. This is like the beginning of natural science. This is where we we see why we're interested in in creation and why we take such joy in it, because God does. After he goes on and on, it's almost like he stops and takes a breath, and Job starts to say, never mind, I don't want to ask my question anymore. And God says, I'm not done yet. He says, what about that hippopotamus? Have you ever seen him? He's amazing. He's grassy and he's strong. His tail is like a cedar. He's, he's great. And at one point, God even says, oh, 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 and i got to tell you about a crocodile. His teeth are sharp. He's got armor like crazy. Do you think you could pull him out of the water with a fish hook? That guy is something else. All right, and the point I'm trying to get through here is that God created a wonderful universe that displays his glory and displays his goodness. But he even goes beyond that and he shares in our enjoyment of it and he shares in the beauty of it and he's interested in what goes on here. And I think about, uh, that gives me two pairs of uh, concepts that I, I think this shows. I think it shows that, that creation is meaningful, right? It shows something about God, and it, it is delightful. That's kind of obvious. And another twin pair of things is that it's intentional. It's there for a reason. But we should also treat it with presence. We ought to pay attention to it. And how often do we go through life and not even notice that it's a beautiful day out? Or, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, it's, it's, it's nice when the sun shines on us on a cold day. All right. All right. But what about us? We were put in this creation in a special place. right? We are created in the image of God. And that means that we do what the rest of creation does, sort of display God's greatness and glory. But we're also supposed to tend it and take care of it. And we're supposed to mirror God in a very special way. When the angelic host and nature looks at mankind, they are supposed to see God in a very special way. How are we doing on that? Right? God is good and kind and loving and faithful. And we tend to use things for our own, for our own uh, purposes. We destroy. We, we're bad to the environment. We're mean to each other. And when you think about what we're supposed to be and what we've ended up being, you start, start feeling some of the horror of, of what sin really is. Uh, that, that God created us to be his image and what have we done with it? That's all still before Christ. Right? But, uh, even the fall is still before Christ. Thank goodness. Uh, Paul in Romans 1 gives a picture of this when he says that what can be known about God is plain to everybody in, in, the, in nature. And it says about, about man, fallen man, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We were given nature as a picture of God and we threw it away and now worship the gift instead of the, the giver. Um, we've, we've fallen very far short and I think those four concepts that I talked about We've lost the meaning in the universe, right? We don't know why we're here anymore. And, and we've, since we've lost the meaning, we've sort of lost the, the ability to be delighted by it as well. And I think of modern man, materialistic man, is sort of caught in that world. We don't know why we're here. And we, we feel like we're alone and alienated. It's the opposite of what God first created. Uh, you think about Carl Sagan in, in his series *The Cosmos*, or you think about Richard Dawkins and his writings. They love nature. They they write like the psalmist does in glowing terms about nature. But in the end, their nature is unknowing and uncaring and blind. Right? That's pretty sad. And for me to realize that it, it's supposed to be so much more was a was a great. Uh, a great burden lifted from me I used to go through life thinking what's the point uh, even when even though I was doing fun things I'd be thinking this is going to end someday I remember standing on the, a beach in northern Australia and looking at the bu- blue waters and the white sands and I'm thinking I wonder if I'll, if I'll even remember this You know, in 10 or 15 years that's pretty sad and depressing isn't it but once I understood that everything has meaning that God is interested in ostriches and hippos and rain and snow and dew that it all has meaning and when I'm sitting there enjoying something I can praise the creator and that I'm fulfilling a, a role when I do that and that that is not lost and it's not gone but it is uh, it's part, of, part of the whole tapestry that God weaves so Everybody knows what happened. We fell, we fell away. And God inexplicably sends his son to save us. We've tarnished his image, we've besmirched besmirched his name, we've dragged his reputation through the dirt, and he sends his son and redeems us. And when that happens, we're restored. Uh, we, we, We move from creation before Christ to creation in the year of our Lord. And that's the second verse... In the in your bulletin, Paul writes: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ, God was that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We look at the world and we say, we implore you, be, be reconciled to God. The church is uh, the new creation. All right? It's us individually, but it's also us collectively. We stand uh, in Christ like a new Adam. All right? There's a couple different... One thing's the same. Our... our, our our purpose is the same to uh, show God to the world and to enjoy creation right? the first question and answer the Westminster Confession what is the chief end of man to, serve, to glorify God and serve him forever and enjoy him forever right? last week my son met with Stephen and, uh, in order to answer the questions that would allow him to come to the table and Stephen asked him, "Why are you here? Why did God put you on the world?" And he said, "Well, to serve Him and have fun." And that's it. That's that's the first. That's the first question of Westminster Confession. That's what we're really here to do: to serve God and have fun. Uh, serve God is like the intentional part, and have fun or or enjoy God forever is sort of the. Uh, the, the delight part. And we stand with a job to do that's meaningful, reclaim the world, push back darkness, show the world how good God is by his redeeming acts in our lives. And uh, so, again, we have, we have purpose, and we have delight rolled up into one. All right, let's go to our food. In light of all that, what about food? Well, it turns out that food is good. Uh, It Really, have you had it? It's it's good. It's one of the things that God gave us, right, in order to use and to delight in. It has meaning, but it also has, you know, just delightful in and of itself. And uh, through this series, we've been looking at the various things we're supposed to enjoy, through the story of the, of the, of the two knuckleheads, or the, the prodigal son, the two sons. You know the story we've been going over the last few weeks where uh, the one son asked for his uh, inheritance, he takes it, runs off, and blows it all. And he comes back, and the father accepts him, and the older son throws a fit, says, that's not fair, look what he went out and did. Uh, so in that story, I think it also shows us the right and the wrong way to use God's gifts. So the two different wrong ways you can use God's gifts. Uh, the younger son. Pretty obvious what his problem was. He took everything that God gave him and he, or the father gave him, and he went out and blew it all on himself. Did he overvalue food, drink? and all the good things his father gave him, or did he undervalue it? I'm not really sure, but I know this much. He didn't use it properly, and he wasted it, and there was nothing. Uh, you know, when he was done, he was, he was accepted back, but I think there are a lot of us who are younger brother types who see all the good gifts that God gives us and use it for our own purposes. The younger brother used those gifts in order to separate himself from, the, from his father, and to separate himself from his community. And uh, that was a bad use of, of God's gifts. The older brother also used the gifts to separate himself from the father. He thought of himself not as a son, but as a slave. And so when the uh, youngest brother came back, what he said to his father was, How could you do this for him? Look at me, I followed all the rules. I've slaved for you and you never even gave me a goat that I could have a party with with my friends. He didn't say, you didn't give me a goat so I could have a party with you. He didn't say, you never threw me a party. He thought by working and following all the rules, the father would just give him something for his own. So he was also separated from his father through that. Ah, uh, And I think we tend to be in either one of those camps. Sometimes we're in both, sometimes the other. Uh, the camp that I'm probably closest to is the younger brother. Sometimes I focus so much on good times and good food and good drink that, it, that, I, that I forget to praise God about it, right? The older brother tends to see a list of rules that... Uh, and he and used and use that to separate himself from God. So we think, well, if I get myself down to a certain weight, if I work out, if I abstain from this or that, God will like me more or won't get angry with me. But both are wrong. I talked to a, a woman a few years ago who uh, was, was uh, in foster care when she was growing up. And she went through a series of really horrible foster care homes. And she finally got to one where the house was well kept and it was neat and they had a garden and she could sit outside and enjoy it all. And she talked about how much she appreciated that home. But she also said that when she came home from school, she wouldn't go inside the house. And she was very careful when she was sitting in the garden not to get her clothes dirty or play around. Because she was afraid that if she did... Should somehow get kicked out. And I think sometimes the older brothers in us see God as the same way. We're thankful for what He's done, we're thankful for the things He's, he's given us, but we're a little concerned that if we misbehave a little bit, He's going to kick us out. But that's not the heart of the Father. The younger sons among us think that oh, the only thing God is good for is a good time and so if if we can just get what we want from God and not actually have to deal with him, that 's better off right and that 's not true either the uh, you can't take you can't take the good things from God without God without ending up empty and betrayed so what camp are you in? Younger brothers might drink too much they may take the good gift of alcohol and use it for their own purposes and they might use that to separate themselves from from God and separate themselves from their family separate themselves from other people do you sometimes not go to a place because you know there's no drinking involved (laughs) or do you uh, value food so much that you don't go to certain, you won't eat with certain people because they don't like the right kind of food or do you not eat with certain people because you're keeping to a, such a restrictive diet that you just don't want to hang around with other people? Do you use food and drink just to make yourself happy and not in order to image God properly? Those are younger brother kind of things. Older brothers worry about keeping the rules. They worry, you know, if, if, if you're offered a piece of cake, they say, just want a small one. If I have a piece of cake, then I'm going to go to the gym for two hours next week. We're afraid to throw ourselves into enjoyment. We're afraid to be properly thankful when gifts are given to us. We're afraid to have too much fun. right? God is offering us all these things, and we're refusing to take them. And I think we, like I say, we, uh, we go to one side or the other. I told you I tilt towards the younger brother's side. When I was discussing some of these things with my wife, she says, I think you're too easy on the younger brother, which is a very older brother thing to say, (laughs) right? So I guess what I want to encourage everybody to do this morning is to remember that all things have been given to us by a loving father who is full of delight and is given to us for a reason and that we stand like new Adam in front of the new creation, and we're exhibiting God in all these things. And I don't want anybody to walk away thinking, okay, there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. Everybody's unique, and you all have your own, own ways of enjoying God and obeying God. <clears throat> and uh, I think we have to sort of rethink what it is that we, we think is success, right? There's a lot of people who might struggle with body image issues, Uh, They want to get down to the perfect weight. They want to be able to have a physique like this. Uh, And so you beat yourself up and you think, "Uh uh-oh, God God must be unhappy with me. Something must be wrong in my life. And that's not necessarily so. And we as Americans especially think we define success as accomplishing some concrete goal out there. Um, You know, there's a very famous verse, everybody knows, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's a great verse. But I think sometimes we misuse it. And I think uh, a lot of times I hear athletes use it. You know, they achieve something great. I can do all things through Christ. You know, we, it's, it's like a winning thing. But if you look at the context of that, that comes right after Paul says that he's in need and the people who want to send him send him uh, some aid and he says you don't have to, I'm fine and then he says, I can, he says I've learned a, the secret of contentment I know how to be hungry and I know how to be filled I know how to have good things and I know how to, how to have bad I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me it's not that we can achieve things that's not what that verse is about that verse says that no matter what my circumstance is No matter what I'm struggling with at this point in time, no matter what troubles are in my life, I know that I'm going to be okay because Christ in me will get me through it. So if you're struggling with something, especially about food and drink this morning, don't become despairing if you're not achieving what you think you should be achieving. Uh, Also, don't be proud if you did achieve what you're looking to achieve. We're supposed to image God and in the, in, the, in, in the world that we're in, the fallen world that we're in. One of the things that we're supposed to image God in and uh, that the unbelieving world can look at us and see and the angels can see, they'll see how God is dealing with us in our weakness, how God is dealing with us in our struggles. So if you're going through a struggle, rest assured that he's there with you. It's not as though uh, he's expecting you to achieve a certain goal. His plan for you might be different. The way you work it out with God might be different than what you have in your mind. The good news is that no matter what happens to you, you're in the hand of a loving Father. And that you have Christ in you, and it will be able to uh, get through what it is you're going through. So do it joyfully. Enjoy. right? Even in struggles, we're supposed to be joyful because we know that he's going to see us through to the end. We know that our lives have meaning and that what we're going through actually matters to God and it matters to witnesses that we may not even be aware of. And we know that God wants us to be joyful and that we're in the hands of our loving Father. Uh, We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. How does he strengthen us? Up here is a table right, and it's a sign and a and a symbol of what God does for us that when we take the blood or take the wine and take the bread, He enters us in a special way. you think about food it's part of the good creation uh, it's part of the delight of creation, it has a purpose, and it has delight all wrapped into one and it's hard to even take those two things apart when we Taste the bread and taste the wine It's something physical and it's a way of reminding us that we're being nourished by the Father so that no matter what we're going through, uh, we're going to get to the other end and no matter what we're going to, we can be joyful. Um, I had a whole lot of other stuff in here and I look at you guys and I'm filled with love and uh, amazement that I get a chance to talk to you. And I guess if there's one thing I want you to take, take away is the idea that God loves you and he has a purpose. And go about that purpose with joy and confidence, but also humility, right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. does not mean work out how you're going to get saved. You've been saved. Work out the ramifications of your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who works within you. We fear and tremble because we know it's important but we also do it with joy because we know that it's him who's working in us and when I see you guys and I hear some of your stories I know that he's real and uh, I encourage you to go out and enjoy food and drink I think you should go to high teas I think that uh, if, if, if you worry about comfort food you should be joyfully taking comfort food knowing that sometimes God comforts us in comfort food alright All right, let me close with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for all good things. We thank you that you have uh, taken a broken world and and saved it. We thank you that you not only have picked us up and dusted us off, but you've put us back to work. We thank you that we see your love and care in this world through the work of, of your son, but also through the work of us. And we're honored to uh, take part in that and give us the ability to go through life enjoying it and serving you. Amen.